0: the kill, and Warner wins the set, fade away by Bournes. Hello, South Dakota. This is In Play, a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm Craig Matic. I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast. We'll get together a couple of times a month, and who would have known? Even three months ago, I had no idea this opportunity was going to come forward for us, but this is a new adventure. Every episode that we get together, eh, we may deal with a specific person, maybe a program may be a theme to it, but it allows us the opportunity to talk high school sports. And we'll do that right here on EM Play. It was a great idea a year ago. A great idea. It really was. And from what I understand, it went great well, it's a little different this year. state of South Dakota saw a new high school football league debut in the fall of last year. Twelve schools from uh, the Native American schools uh, made the decision to break away from the high school football league under the auspices of the High School Activities Association, and they formed the All Nations Football Conference. Last year... Crow Creek and Lower Brule met at the Dakota Dome for the inaugural league championship. Crow Creek becoming uh, victorious. Now today, the league has grown to 16 and now includes teams from three states. But that great idea has been put on hold for this year because of COVID. To talk more about the subject, Lower Brule Superintendent Lance Witte. He was one of the driving forces for the league's creation last year. He is also the athletic director, typically a superintendent and an AD. That itself is two full time jobs, and Lance is doing both. And so, Lance, uh, we appreciate the time you're giving us today here on In Play. What was the decision prior to forming that All Nations Football Conference last year? How, how, how much and how involved were you?
1: Well, thanks for having me, Craig. Uh, It was one of those uh, decisions where we, you know, evaluated kind of our experience our kids were having in our our Native American schools and finding that the numbers were continuing to uh, decrease. And as we looked at having in Lower Brule, for example, you know, we would have 15 to 20 kids out for nine-man football. And sometimes by the end of the season, we were getting down into only just in just over 10 left that would be be playing due to injuries or maybe just kind of becoming disenfranchised uh, due to uh, maybe our our competitive schedule. And so we felt like how can we go from that low number to when we turn around and open up the gym for basketball, we're we're looking at 45 students in the same school going out for basketball. So there was a big disparity in numbers, and I, I think that was pretty prevalent across all of our tribal schools and so we floated the idea out there to our tribal communities and uh everybody kind of was fighting the same battle so they people jumped into the opportunity to try something different and i think the first year was a success we had very significant increases in uh, participation numbers across our schools and you know we had i think we felt like was a very successful first uh, season
0: Was an easy sell for the kids uh, to come play football in this conference?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, they enjoyed the idea that I think they felt going into every game they could be competitive. And, you know, we were one of the – I think we were out of the 12 schools, maybe the fifth fifth from the bottom as far as size. So, you know, we were competing against larger schools and Mm -hmm. – you know so it was it was competitive a lot more competitive for everyone,
0: and what I heard too, as we're talking with Lance Witty, he's the superintendent and the activities director with Laura Brule here on in play, is that the interest became larger amongst these teams that played in this conference. more involvement,
1: yeah, we felt like. We, we got to see, even in the off season, you know, even given the situation with COVID, I think kids were excited about the potential of playing the second season. Uh, obviously, that's changed a little bit going into this year with uh, our COVID-19 uh, 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 situation. But uh, people are enthused yet. People are excited. We've actually picked up even teams since we postponed our season. It's kind of, you know, we're going to see – I think even more teams join even next year, so
0: talking like North Dakota and nebraska schools
1: yeah well, this off season between season one and season two, we picked up uh uh four more schools, so we picked up uh we picked up two from uh Nebraska and we picked up another one from uh uh, Standing Rock and then McLaughlin joined. You know, last, the year before, they had a tough time getting kids out for football. And, mm-hmm. and they reexamined. I they, think they, they ended up having to maybe not play any of their games during due to lack of numbers. So they joined. So we are up to 16. Uh, just recently, we postponed our season this year, like many of the colleges across South Dakota, to the spring. And so we will start after basketball season. And Pine Ridge has uh, declared that they're going to join the All-Nations Conference recently. So they will join our spring, ga- our spring season along with playing next fall as well.
0: Lance, what is it like right now with that void of athletics at Lower Brule? Um, what's it been like with, with school underway?
1: It's been a challenge we have we we are one of the few schools you know when we got to making the decision on the All nations that out of the sixteen schools there was only five that uh, their either their council of their tribe tribal council or their board uh, determined that they could continue to play. We were one of those five uh, we just felt like it was going to be a tough time to have a season with only five of the sixteen schools so we Determined to postpone, but we, as a school at Lower Brule, have decided to continue with cross country and uh, with volleyball. Our volleyball schedule has been kind of decimated mm. due to a lot of our, our teams were some of those tribal schools. But yeah, uh, <laughs> we're continuing. And, but it you know, as we see the numbers and of COVID, I think in the last, the latest data is over 300 cases a day for the last week. You know, it's getting to be a challenge.
0: 16 would be in the All Nations football conference. How how big could it get, or is that going to be about where you're going to want to be once you get back to play?
1: Well, you know, this is the year where they uh, recalculate and redo the schedules for everybody every two years is how that rotation works. And so we've had conversations with Todd County. Uh, They're, you know, maybe considering joining as well. Uh, we have a new school that hasn't uh, decided to play football as of yet, but I think they will, the Lakota Tech School in Pine Ridge, new public school there. I anticipate going into the fall of 2021, we're going to be at 18 or 19 uh, teams. And that that creates a bit of a a challenge. Uh, I've already kind of put out to the board that we may want to consider even going into the spring, if we get up to 18 teams, we may want to look at an 11-man class and a nine-man class.
0: Oh, oh, that'd be great expansion. You know, whatever it takes to get kids involved, and I, I think you guys are on the right track. I think this is a great idea, and I think a lot of folks, whether you're West River or East River, there's a lot of excitement to see this grow.
1: Yeah, we're very encouraged by it. We think that. Uh, You know, when we look at the numbers, if we get up to, you know, the 16 to 18 teams and you start looking at, like, Pine Ridge is our recent school to join, the disparity piece comes into play again as far as, like, a Takini, which has a a small enrollment in high school versus a Pine Ridge.
0: Yes. Uh, There's some
1: equity issues there. So, you know, maybe that 11, and I know some of the schools, at the top of that, we're looking at well, we'd play, but we don't want to play nine man. We, you know, we have the numbers. We'd prefer to play eleven man. So, I think by maybe dividing that into an eleven man league and a nine man league, that might serve the needs of our of our schools.
0: Lance, I can't wait to see the All Nations Championship uh, played in the Dome. I can't wait. I can't wait for that <laughs> to happen again. Lance Whitty, he's the superintendent and the athletic director for Lower Brule here on EM Play. Lance, what was your path to uh, get to Lower Brule?
1: Well, I was uh, a superintendent in Washington Springs, and uh, I was asked to come out and do some consulting with Lower Brule, and as I went out there to do that they were making some major changes at their school and they asked me if i could come out and be a little bit more involved and my board in westington springs was uh, very willing to kind of allow me to do that and so for four years i became the superintendent of westington springs and the superintendent of lower (laughs) Brule. and as our enrollment numbers grew at lower Brule, uh you know after four years of that and my son was graduating from High school in Westington Springs. I told the board. I said I think it's time to, you know, go out there and, and do some additional work at Lower Brule. And I, I enjoy it out there. I, I've got a passion for being there, and it's been it's been a very exciting time to see the school grow and change.
0: What is some of those exciting times? What is happening at Lower Brule?
1: Well, you know, we, when I went out there, you know, they were very behind in uh, some of their curriculum and. and things like that. And our, you know, our teacher salaries were below the state average considerably. And now we're competitive in that market. And our curriculum and our technology was way behind the times. And we've now entered into a one-to-one laptop program. We have broadband that supports that. This summer, we spent, I spent a lot of time working on a project that basically we're connecting wireless broadband across the entire reservation so that when our kids are distance learning, they're going to have, uh, at no cost to their, to their homes, they, when, with the support of the Lower, Lower Brule Sioux Tribe, they'll have no cost and they'll have Wi-Fi in their homes and to be able to mm. do the things that they would be able to do as if they were in school.
0: That is awesome. That is awesome. Last I saw, about, what, 80 students, uh, the 8 ADM? Um, how, ma- how many students at Lower Brule?
1: We have about three. We have 300 students. I think that's growing a little bit. We've been anywhere between 320 to 300 for the last, oh, probably four years, and that's been pretty consistent. I think we've seen a little bit of an increase this year. <clears throat> so in our high school, we have about 120 and, uh, in, that, in that neighborhood. So,
0: What is the biggest challenge that you face right now at Lower Brule?
1: Well, yeah, one thing that we've, we continue to be challenged by is our facilities. You know, we're we have we're funded through the BIA and the BIE, and our facilities are not always uh, able to be kept up with. I think that's a challenge with all tribal, con, uh, tribal schools is that, you know, they're, they're kind of at the, at the uh, mercy of the BIA coming out and fixing the facilities. Some have been fortunate to get new schools. Uh, it's, and unlike a public school where you go out and maybe raise the tax taxes and go out and get a construction bond and build a new school, we don't have that luxury. So we kind of have to work with what we have. Uh, we've written a lot of grants and some different things to, to upgrade our facilities to the best they can be. And so uh, that's probably the biggest challenge, but it's a very rewarding place to work. I know that.
0: I need to come out and see a game. At at Lower Brule, whether it's football or basketball or volleyball, I need to come out. One of the few places I have not been to yet, and I I need to do that, Lance.
1: The door is open, and you're welcome to come (laughs) anytime, Craig.
0: (laughs) Last note on uh, the All Nations uh, Conference. Uh, Again, it will begin play in the spring.
1: Yeah, we're looking to start, you you know, obviously all contingent upon how the rest of the sports season play out. But if basketball stays on track with where it's at, uh, we'll be looking to start practice right at the end of March. I think our we've got a tentative schedule that our first game will be about the 10th of April in that time frame. I don't remember the exact date. But our championship game, and I still have to make some arrangements with the, the Dakota Dome, but we're looking at, I think, around a June 4th uh, championship contest. And we've talked about well, if the basketball season gets postponed until after the first of the year, uh, it might look like we're going to play that championship right before the Fourth of July weekend or something.
0: <laughs> we're we're all willing to do it. So, while the All Nations Football Conference made the decision to push its season to the spring, all of the South Dakota High School Activities Association sanctioned high school sports and activities. Given the green light to proceed this fall, every school district in the state developing its own set of protocols combating uh, combating with COVID-19. By the way, up at Esteline High School, where they have co-opted with Hendricks, Minnesota, there's a few positive cases early in the year within the football program, making some early adjustments, but things are rolling now and Jeremy Bachman joins us. He's the Activities Director for the Esteline School District, Esteline Hendricks Redhawks. Jeremy, welcome to In Play.
2: Oh, thanks for having me,
0: Craig. By the way, how long has the co-op been going on with Hendricks, a school that is in Minnesota and is, what, about 27 miles away from Esteline?
2: Uh, yes, it's uh, um, about a 26-minute uh, drive because <laughs> I tie myself every time I head over there.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> But uh, this will be the third full season of it, Um, and we actually co opted in the spring for track the year before we we, uh, made it a a full year just to kind of feel it out and see how it worked out, and it worked out really well for track in that spring, Um, and then we went into it full tilt the next year, so this is our... Uh, going into our third full year of the co-op.
0: What was the challenges of choosing a school not only 27 miles away, but in Minnesota? Were there challenges trying to develop that co-op?
2: No, you know, uh, they they were just a a community um, that was kind of struggling at the time uh, with numbers of of students and trying to keep kids in the district um, and be able to offer them some sports. Um, You know, and they, they reached out to a couple different schools, and you know us being one of them, um and they just kind of liked what we what we had to offer them and um they were very grateful um for being able to come over here and play sports with us and and uh play sports in South Dakota was something new for them you know um but you know it just there wasn't too many challenges you know uh, the administration over there worked pretty well with us and we just kind of hit the ground running it, it helped that we had that spring before with the, with the track season just to kind of feel it out a little bit and you know, other than, you know, some communication here or there, which you're gonna have some issues um early on. Um, but other than that, um both sides have, have worked very well together. Um and other than the twenty six minute drive it's 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 gone pretty smooth.
0: <laughs> uh well, a lot of time challenges for everybody, so we really appreciate all the commitments not only the coaches but, but the students are making.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, those kids uh especially uh Hendrick's kids they come this way quite a bit for practices and stuff you know and you know for, once basketball rolls around um you know we head over there for practice um you know getting on uh getting on a bus for almost a half an hour one way and then a half an hour back you know that uh, mm. that takes a toll on them sure does. you know and you know you lose some study time maybe um but uh like i said it just becomes part of your norm it's just something you do you get out of school you go to practice. It, Happens to be on a bus half hour away, and um, you know it's just everybody's adjusted n- nicely to it.
0: Jeremy Bachman, not only the uh, athletic director or the activities director at Esteline, but also the football coach. And tell you what, you had to be pretty excited. Maybe the unknown coming into the month of August, whether you were going to practice with all this COVID stuff, and. You Had little setback. Um, what were the feelings going on at that time? Um, the unknowns to getting the team together and then having to to wait your first game.
2: Yeah, you know, you, you said it there. Just and this you know, it's been so many unknowns. You know, since March, basically, um, you know, the summer rolls around, and you know, are we gonna have a football season? Are we gonna have a volleyball season? You know, and there's just such highs and lows with that. You know, we find out. Okay, we're gonna go ahead with football. And you know, everybody's excited and we get going and you know, we get a weekend and boom, you know, COVID and everybody knows that you're going to have, it's going to, you're going to deal with it at, at one point or another. And, and we activity association had protocols and as a school, we talked about it numerous times. Um, we just didn't expect it was going to hit us week one, you know, um, I, it just, but we were ready and. Um, you know, then you go from that high of being able to play football and then the whole team's quarantined and it just, you know, you just got to keep the kids spirits up, you know, say, this isn't, this isn't the end of the season, you know, we got to stay healthy and get back after it. Um, and I, I was, I told the kids at the beginning of the year, you know, we, we have to stay healthy coaches included, um, managers, everybody. Um, because the football, volleyball, all these seasons, they're going to proceed without, with or without the Red Hawks, you know, and some other schools are kind of figuring that out too. You know, they're, they're going to keep rolling ahead um, with these schedules and, and playing whatever they can get in. Um, so you just want to make sure you're one of those teams that can and stay healthy and Try to avoid it at all costs,
0: Jeremy, during that quarantine time, how did you keep the team fresh and how at least knowing the playbook or you know working routes or trying to do any type of anything in football did did you try to do anything?
2: yeah, you know uh we had a you know uh six days into practice, um so we had a good base down um, my biggest fear um, was not so much losing the you know the the plays and stuff, because that's stuff we've been doing for, for years, you know, as I've been coaching and, and kids kind of know that system. Um, It was the staying in shape. That was, that was the biggest uh, challenge we had. And, you know, I can't go to each kid's house and say, all right, you got to do some running, you know, it's up (laughs) to them, you know, so Mm -hmm. I can say, you know, I can, I sent out a daily text, you know, make sure we're going out running. Um, Don't sleep in, get out and do stuff. You know, but, you know, you're dealing with teenage boys and, you know, um, you get what you get out of that and, you know, we we came back into it kind of out of shape, which I expected, you know, I, you know, I was 16, 17 once too, I, I know what it's about, (laughs) Um, but, you know, just other than just keep telling them, keep telling them, you know, and then keep reminding them, you know, as it it drug on, you know, okay, we're going to come back, the season isn't over, all right, Um, you know, don't think like this is the end of our season and, um, so other than staying in shape, um, we came back and we were ready to go.
0: What was that first practice like when the quarantine was over? How many smiles were there going on at that time?
2: There, there was a lot, they were excited to get back. Um, they were out and there was a little pep in their step, um, <laughs> which was soon gone, you know, after about an hour of practice, when <laughs> they all realized how out of shape they were. Um, but no, just, just have to be back and all week, you know, just ready to play that first game um, and just get back out on the field and and play some football. It's been a long wait, Um, almost a month. You know, Mm -hmm. our first game, almost a month from the very first practice we had. So it's been a long time coming for for these boys.
0: You're listening to In Play. I'm Craig Maddock, talking with Jeremy Bachman. He's the athletic director and the football coach for Esteline Hendricks, uh, the Red Hawks. By the way, Esteline with a great track up there, too. We've been there a couple of times. Uh, what, what do you do for a track and field? Are you involved with that, too?
2: Yep. Um, I uh, I don't coach. I used to coach it. Uh, now I just uh, run all the meets. And, uh, yeah, we have a, a very nice facility up here, um, track. We host a lot of track meets, conference meets, region meets. Um, just a, a very nice facility for the size school that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, we're we're, we're pretty fortunate um, that we have a good track to to practice on and compete on, and, um, yeah.
0: Jeremy, I knew your dad. Uh, Butch was a longtime athletic director at Tri-Valley. In fact, he was a member of the board of the Activities Association. Uh, I knew Butch and ran into him a lot at at state tournaments when Tri-Valley was making some football and basketball runs. When did you decide that you were going to follow your dad's footsteps in education?
2: Uh, You know, as far as education, um, that was something I always kind of wanted to be a part of, and and, um, athletics, you know, be a coach. Um, You know, I grew up in the gym, going going to the school every Saturday with my dad. You know, I was always around it. You know, I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. Um, You know, as far as athletic director... Uh, again going back to those Saturdays, I I always watched the hours that he logged and he was always worried about if the refs are gonna show up and all this uh-huh. stuff and I, I I always told myself, you know, I wanna be a teacher, I wanna be a coach, but I do not want to be an athletic director. <laughs> but <laughs> but the job opened up here and, uh-huh. and you know, I, I just I just felt right and I I I haven't looked back. I'm glad I did it. So,
0: well, you're wearing two hats as an athletic director and as as a football coach. What do you tell the kids, whether they're playing football or other sports, regarding all this news about COVID nineteen What what do you tell them?
2: Well, you know it's it's real. You know it's 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 going to affect. I mean, it's going to affect everybody. Um, you know, I I, I keep saying. You know, for our football team, it got real, real fast for us. You know, I mean, everybody knows it's out there, but everybody doesn't think it's going to affect them. It's not going to happen. Um, and then when it does, you realize, you know, it's it's eye-opening for them. You know, and it's it's something that, that we're going to deal with, whether we like it or not, and it's something that we have to, to deal with and do it the right way. And, you know, again, back to the seasons aren't over. You know these kids that are afraid of it. You know, um, missing games and stuff. You know, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it might happen to us again. It's it's happening all over the state, and you know the, the, the teams that can avoid it the most um, are going to have some success, and that's that's the best thing we can do.
0: Esteline, the school district itself, uh, how exciting was it to uh, get these kids back this fall?
2: Oh, it was it was it was good. Um you know, I talked to numerous kids over the summer, and they just couldn't wait. Um, usually, you know, kids say, oh, school's rolling around. But, you know, um, the the kids couldn't wait to get in the door. And, um, you know, we kind of hit the ground running. And, and, you know, once we get into the school building and practices start, you know, the, the whole COVID and everything just kind of goes on the back burner. You forget about it, and it's just a little bit of – you know, normalcy, again, and it feels right, and everybody's just kind of feels where they should be. Um, so I think just the fact to get the kids back in the door, back in practices, um, just, you know, helps with the morale of the, the whole district and the whole community and um, just kind of getting things back going in the right direction.
0: One of the main issues on in-play is – talking high school sports, you know, we're talking athletes and administrators, coaches and contributors, but also a big part of it, too, is everything is under the auspices of the South Dakota High School Activities Association, and a guy who has uh, played a big role with it, he's been around a long time now, does a great job with it, he's the assistant executive director, Dr. John Krogstrand joining us on EM Play. Uh, John, welcome, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to to, uh, seeing the program uh, grow and and uh, your new venture here. Well, it's great to talk with you.
0: I see it so many state tournaments. Um, You know, I've seen what you've been a part of the the state tournaments uh, over the years, and great job as always. But um, before you became to the Activities Association, weren't you down in Nebraska for a while?
3: yeah so uh the the three years prior i was the uh, athletic director at columbus high school in columbus nebraska so uh school maybe just a little bit bigger than than an aberdeen central or a watertown and and uh um you know played a lot of the other quote unquote outstate schools as well as the omahas and lincoln's and that and and uh kind of got my my feet wet a little bit in high school athletics after the the three years prior uh coaching college ball back between uh, presentation college and, and northern state up in aberdeen so uh, kind of been all over the map a little bit on, on some of those things, but yeah, just uh, starting the ninth year here in the office in Pier and uh, certainly a unique one at that.
0: What was your biggest transition going from an athletic director and or coach to the position that you are? Because I know you, you are pretty much administrating all of the boys' sports across the state, but what, what was the biggest challenge that you had going from the one position to the current position in Peer?
3: You know, I think part of it was was honestly was just not being around the kids and the athletes anymore was was really the the personal challenge. Um, fr- from my perspective, I always felt like and 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 think the hopefully the coaches and the kids would tell you the same thing. I think one of the things I, I excelled at, whether it was again coaching my own team or um, or or being part of the athletic department and being the athletic director, was that that awesome day-to-day interaction you have with the kids and and you do you you come into a job like this and you you set that aside and and you work with the adults all day a little bit you know with the coaches and the administrators and things and and it puts a little different perspective on that of of not having that you know that that immediate reward or that hey look we did this or or, we created this and we had this and you don't have that one team to cheer for and those kinds of things a little bit that are they're certainly a little different, and then you know, obviously, you make a state change and and getting acclimated to different rules and different ways of doing things and, and that. But uh, I think probably one of the one of the best things that I had um, coming into the spot was certainly, you know, t- taking the job from from Bob Lowry, who'd been in that position for almost two decades. Um, have, having Joe Alk here in the office, who's, who's been phenomenal to work with here for all all of the last uh, you know nine years. She's been in the office, I think, twelve now, and and being able to learn from you know from from Wayne Carney and, and having those great resources uh, to lean on, and and to you know you start and you develop those relationships, and you you work on those different programs and things. But having the, that great backing of that staff and and great board members too, you know that um, from the ones that were on when they hired me all the way through, you know, until today is is. All of that, and, and everybody working towards that goal, of doing best by our kids, doing best by our schools, providing the best opportunities that we can. And, and again, yeah, I um, couldn't be more more thankful for that guidance and that leadership from from Wayne and from Bob, especially. And then, you know, and then yeah, then then from Joe, and and, and you know doc, now Dr. Suarez. I mean, just all the way across the board. That's that's been so cool to have that backing to make that transition again from being in the schoolhouse and being part of that day-to-day structure to now, you know, setting up for a weekend or two weekends and, you know, a year and, and really blowing it out that in that one little event or whatever, mm-hmm. um, is is, 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 it's been a change, but, uh, again, a, a welcome one is still pretty cool to, uh, uh, to come down to it. And, and like I tell others and tell people all the time is, is, um, yeah, they're the, the state tournaments for the teams, but there are state tournaments too. And, and we enjoy that experience and being part of that every year. And that's, uh, a cool thing we get look, get to look forward to every every time out, and it's crazy to think, but you know we're we're just some four and a half weeks away from our first uh, first state tournaments here, the first week of October with with tennis and golf already.
0: He's Dr. John Krogstrand, uh, Assistant Executive Director, of South Dakota High School Activities Association. Here on Ian Play, I'm Craig Maddock. School districts handing, uh, handling the local protocols with COVID-19, the state level also playing a large role in laying all the groundwork for what high school sports could or couldn't do here for this fall. I want to go back, though, back to uh, March 8th. That was just a wild weekend. State girls' basketball tournament was going on in Spearfish. Uh, we were there with the state tournament. What what was it like those couple of days out in spearfish uh, kind of a behind the scenes look of how crazy was it behind the scenes with everything starting starting to fall
3: you you know we really we kind of had it on our radar from the office perspective about the end of january early february and and we're kind of aware that hey this is something that you know it, it it might be a challenge for us to deal with um I, I remember personally um, I think it was my first year in Columbus in Nebraska as a you know first year a d um, was was the year of the h1 n one and uh, we had played a football game uh, the previous Friday at at a school in Lincoln and then had our next game the next week and, and had a health department that was talking to us about not playing and just how foreign of a concept that was that okay we have this because of a virus because we have kids out sick because it's the flu. I don't, you know, it just didn't, didn't really make sense. So I think that was kind of one of the maybe advantages we have of realizing how serious these things can become was, was just that, that little dabble of an experience, you know, 11, 12 years ago. um, And, and, and that it was a real conversation about not playing games. And um, so, so we had kind of done some legwork ahead of time, you know, the end of January, early February there, we'd started some conversations with the department of health. They were you know, at least a little bit aware of, of everything that was coming. And then I think the two, the two events where it really, really hit home for us, um, you know, was, was the the individual who was at a basketball tournament, a special Olympics basketball tournament in, in Fremont, Nebraska. And uh, you had teams from multiple States there from multiple communities and, and this immediate concern of what does that mean for everybody else? And where is that going to go? And what is that going to do? and, um, you know we were, we were talking about it before State wrestling about, okay, if somebody from Nebraska or from Iowa comes up where this is now starting to be a thing, um, what does that mean for us? What, what does that do to us? And you know really we're still having those conversations. I, I remember I was we were starting to kind of become even a little bit more aware of it. Um, and, and I was in the the Chamberlain Armory on the Tuesday night before state girls' basketball. The place was packed, man. I mean, it was it was wall to wall (laughs) with people. With the we had had Madison and uh, and Red Cloud Boys followed by uh, uh, Marty Indian Faith. Probably one of the one of the best high school basketball games at that level that I've I've seen. Talking about a region, you know, a region final kind of a game with that Marty Faith game going to triple overtime. And you had, I mean, literally the gym was wall to wall. There wasn't a place to sit. You couldn't get in the door. You couldn't get to the concessions. (laughs) It was it was just jam packed. And you're sitting there thinking, Oh goodness. <laughs> um, you know, the what ifs kinda of start to run through your mind and and, and then literally, you know, twenty four hours later we're in spearfish and Rudy Gobert happens. And all of a sudden now the NBA stops playing games and we're going into Thursday morning with still the go ahead and now all of a sudden all the college conference tournaments that were supposed to have started went from you know, well, we'll we'll run it as normal. To well, we'll run it without fans. To well, now we're postponed. Well, now we're stopping. You know, the Creighton game plays half of a half their game in Madison Square Garden and walks off the floor and never gets resumed. I mean, it was just unreal how fast things changed. And uh, I think the image that uh, one of our officials shared with me, uh, Matt Clark, you know, one of our longtime officials from from here on, is we kind of all went in a little bit uneasy and we were starting to play on on Thursday. He comes out of the official's locker room and sees me in kind of the back tunnel tearing off tickets and he knows oh boy this isn't good because <laughs> now we're sitting here counting out for that hundred and twenty five that we were gonna let into the gym of, mm-hmm. you know as part of the directive from the department of health and the governor's office was to kind of look at that and and you know having conversations with with Jed albers and everybody from from b h about was it realistic to be able to continue to play and and were the border regions going to let us be in their facility and then talking about the boys games and the next weekend and everything else and I mean, yeah, literally from from the time we sat down at dinner on Wednesday night, you know, and had our team dinner and had our coaches together of um, we're moving forward and we're going to play and, and we're gonna give it a shot to get it in this weekend and, and think we'll be just fine to do it. Literally not I mean, not even twenty four hours, I mean twelve hours, sixteen hours from that point. Um, it, it it unraveled to the point of, of limited fans and then of course Friday morning continuing those conversations and those calls and, and kind of getting the advisement to whatever you do, you need to be done today. And I think we just, just felt at that point, you know, there, there's to try and play two games in a day and a semifinal and a final and not give teams their prep and their rest time and making it equitable. It just, it just really wasn't a viable option. So we, we brought the coaches together and said, look, this is the advisement we're getting. We're, we're going to postpone for now. See what the landscape looks like in a couple of weeks and, and or a couple of months, and, and you know kept that conversation alive until at least the end of April. There, um, of what were what were our options and what what could we have done, and you know maybe you look back and think maybe if this happened or that didn't happen, but but yeah, I mean really that, that Rudy Gobert testing positive and that and that I think it was the Oklahoma City Utah game. They're literally out there getting ready for opening tip, and they stop, and we're kind of watching it together. Some of us that were together and. Okay, this isn't good, and and then having the implications, knowing what that may be meant for us, um, you know, I've said it before. If if Rudy Gobert doesn't happen, who knows? Maybe we get two weekends of state basketball tournaments in before everything, and maybe it is a little bit different. But uh, you know, unfortunately, that wasn't the hand we were dealt. But but again, we've had great partnerships with with Department of Health. Department of Ed, Governor's Office, you know, and, and then certainly our, our corporate partner in Sanford Health and, and different medical people from across the state and, and really across the country that have helped give us that guidance and, and to work through it. But yeah, not a not a decision we wanted to make, um, one, one that we fought for as, as long as we possibly could before it really just became feasible. It wasn't feasible anymore to to talk about state basketball, even in a, you know, a June-July kind of a setting.
0: John, one more note on on COVID. I know during the summer, you know your office you know you're planning for the upcoming season you're you're doing research on this you're working on that uh, i'm assuming that covid pretty much wiped that whole thing out over last summer instead you were focusing more on what ifs with covid is that what pretty much happened all summer long
3: yeah i mean i mean really from the the point when 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 the state basketball tournaments got shelved it was I mean, it literally, since since that day in March, it's kind of been just a day-by-day day and, and trying to figure out, you know, what's realistic, what's possible, what's feasible, what can happen, how are, you know, and, and you try not to, you know, the, the uh, paralysis by analysis, you try not to get so pigeonholed into looking at what ifs, but in the same time, you, you do, you you plan and you take a look, and, um, you know, we, we, we did, I think, once the spring sports were we're done. We kind of we did we did we kind of took a couple of weeks and just just laid low for a little bit and 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 started to then have those conversations about okay what does the summer look like and then once once that information came out I mean literally a week or so before our, our summer um, activities were allowed to go then then yeah then the conversation shifted towards fall and and was literally a day to day what's the newest information what's the newest data sharing with us what are our what are our options what's What's realistic? What's feasible? And, and as much anything. What what's our what's our education going to look like? You know, are we are we in person? Are we together in schooling? Um, what what are what what's that side going to look like? Because again, we're, we're we're interscholastic. We're not professional. We're not even intercollegiate. We're interscholastic. There's no scholastic. There there is no activities for us. So um, working through all of that and continuing to work through all of that. And and yeah, I mean, it's, it's through the summer, looking at the fall, and now still here kind of working through what are we going to do with our different championship events and and then in the same breath what are we going to do when we start talking about being indoors for four five six months over the winter season you know with with basketball with wrestling with gymnastics what's are are those realistic Is, is it realistic to have those seasons to do those things when we talk about you know cold and flu season on top of everything else so um, a lot of a lot of ongoing conversations that we'll continue to work through and, and again just we are we're we're blessed and we're lucky to have such phenomenal health systems in our state such phenomenal individuals that are you know serving not just on our our advisory pieces but they're on national boards they're on they're on international boards and bodies taking a look at all of this and trying to provide us that advisement so we can make hopefully the best decisions we can for for south dakota kids
0: last one for you john it's a (laughs) non-covid question for you which (laughs) which is great uh but it's a story that totally got didn't even be talked about because of what happened uh, on on march 8th when we were in spearfish when the tournament was canceled but we had instant replay We had instant replay that happened (laughs) in basketball. And, of course, you and I, we were there when the Yankton uh, O'Gorman shot in boys' basketball in the semifinals from, uh, what, two years ago and now instituted instant replay in basketball. We got to use it at least for one day at the Girls' State Basketball Tournament. I think it was Ethan and Castlewood that it was used.
3: Yeah, it was was somewhat ironic because I had – as you know, but, but maybe a lot of others don't. I kind of had, um, been the one who, who, who drew the straw to be in the lead of that, I guess a little bit is, is, you know, we rolled it out in football and it, and it worked really well for us in football. The challenge being in, in basketball, we're not always in that, you know, we're not in those division one facilities where they've got all the equipment things. So we kind of figured out a way to ham and egg it a little bit and not have <laughs> to spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars for a replay system that we just didn't have. And, uh, no, I, I I was there literally for those first two games and and we felt that it was working so smoothly that, that literally I was able to uh to leave Spearfish and to head back home to help start preparing for the boys the next weekend, you know, at that point still planning on having boys state tournaments and getting ready for those. And uh I was I was just making the turn north to come to Pier and I got about you know you just know one of those moments when something big has happened because your phone just goes berserk and you're on the line and you got five other text messages dinging in and emails and everything coming and and here i'm getting all these pictures of of jay koosler standing over the monitor at half court and spearfish and i'm like oh my goodness gracious here we go but yeah we we had it we used it we've got uh we've got a a, a solution figured out and and uh you know used it used it to confirm a call on the court that that was perfect I mean that's exactly what we used it for what we needed it for and you know that was one of the it was it's kind of ironic and hilarious and everything all at the same time it was one of the discussions like well, we'll never have that happen again. We'll <laughs> never have a scenario like hey when have we ever had one and i you know and, and ironically, it had been um just two years prior that we had had a uh, we had a buzzer beater in an overtime game between the Pier and Rapid City Stevens boys. That uh, um, literally, you no no different than any other that that we've had. That was right at that buzzer. Did it get out of his hand? Did it not get out of his hand? Call was made. It looks like it was you know was the right call. But we had no equipment. We had no anything to be able to really look at it. And you know, so really in the last four years we've had three of them. And and now we've got. Uh, we 've got the technology in place and, uh, again a great great partnership and 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 thank thank everyone from South Dakota Public who helped us work through that and figuring out the technological side and and how we could make it realistic and 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 work and simple enough that you know again it's it 's uh, you know in the in the college level when you go over to that table there's there 's two or three different people there that are helping those officials going frame by frame and doing every little bit and and we have just as quality of a system as, as what, um, what they're using at that level, just, you know, even a little more user-friendly and a little bit better for our officials to be able to walk over there and take it when they've never used replay all during the season, they've never probably used it before in their life. And now they're going to have that tool to help them make a call. So yeah, it, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty uh, intense as soon as my phone started blowing up, not being there thinking, oh goodness, I left too soon, and now we're going to have one, and, and all these kinds of things, but it, uh, it worked out well for us.
0: If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Madden. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.